Have you ever noticed that when you go to dinner with someone, you're taking the relationship to the next level? Uh, neighbors, people who live down the street or next door at your backyard say, hey, come over to dinner. Well, now we're going to take that relationship to the next level. We're going to go from neighbors to possibly friends. You're in a job interview. And the person doing the interview says, hey, we want you to come to town and have dinner with our team or our president, our CEO. Yep. You're about to take that relationship to the next level. You've been dating for several months when the girl you're dating says, hey, my parents are coming into town. Why don't you come have dinner with us? Yep. You're about to take that relationship to a new level. And so now, hours before he's arrested, moments before his own crucifixion, Jesus invites his disciples to have dinner with him. Yep, they're about to take this relationship to a new level. Luke tells us about it in his gospel. Stand with me as we read this story together. Chapter 22, begin reading verse 14. When the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles were with him. Then Jesus said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup, and after giving thanks... He said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But look. Look, the hand of the one betraying me is at the table with me. For the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And so they, the apostles, began to argue among themselves, which one of them could it be? And who was going to do it? This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Invite us now, Lord Jesus, to your table, as you did the disciples so long ago that we, like them, may take this relationship to a new level. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Ah, Jesus, you had to go and mess everything up. It had been a beautiful evening. I mean, this was the Passover with his disciples. Even Jesus said that this was something that he had looked forward to, longed for, so he could have this moment with his disciples. And they had this beautiful sharing of the bread, this, this moving sharing of the cup. And then Jesus does it says that one thing that just ruins it for everybody. And what did he say? The one who will betray me is sitting at this table. 
And all of a sudden, everybody's attention went from the bread and the cup to the person sitting next to them, to the person across the table from them. Is it you? Is it you? Then everybody started gossiping about each other. Well, I saw him talking to so-and-so, or, or I heard he wasn't really happy when Jesus said this. And on and on it went until there was nobody left to talk about but yourself. Is it me? Would I sell Jesus out? Would I betray Jesus after being with him for all of these three years, after understanding what I know, after having experienced what I have seen? Would I sell Jesus out? You know, it's funny that no one accuses the other. No one disciple points to another. No names are called. I don't know about your family, but in my family, if somebody had said, hey, somebody's about to mess up, we would have found that person who was about to mess up. We would have pointed them out. Oh, it's him. Oh, it's her. They're always the one who are messing things up. We would have called them right out. And all of them were surprised at Judas's betrayal. You know why? Because each one of them knew that if the price were right, if the pressure was tough, they would sell Jesus out. Now remember the context. This is the Passover. This is the celebration of the night when God freed the Hebrew slaves from Egypt. This was the night that he had told Moses, tell everybody to gather with their families in their own homes. Tell them to celebrate the Passover. Have them make bread, but don't give it time to rise. Just cook it as fast as you can. Cook a lamb, eat all of it, and take the blood from that lamb and put it on the post of the doors. And when the death angel comes by later that night, the blood will mark you as mine. The death angel will pass by. And now Jesus talks about another kind of Egypt, another kind of slavery, a slavery of sin that none of us can get free from. And he says, I am now that Passover lamb, my body given for you. Don't say that too fast. Don't run by that without thinking about it. Remember, Christmas, we sing Emmanuel, which means God with us, and we celebrate the miracle of the incarnation. God in flesh. A God who loved us so much, so determined to be with us, that he got close enough for us to touch. And he let us get close enough to be touched. The blind man who stood in front of Jesus and felt the hands of Jesus massage his eyes as he rubbed the mud on his eyes and then rinsed them clean. 
And the man opened his eyes, and the first person he saw was Jesus. Children crawling up into his lap. This creator of the universe, this bringer of life, close enough now for us to touch him. God in flesh. The God who is here. The God who comes to us. The God who loves us so much that he will not let anything separate us from him. Not our own rebellion, not our own sin. He comes and he pays the price for that sin in his own death by giving his own life. What's more, the life he gives to us now becomes our life. This is my body. This is my blood. <laughs> the blood on the doorpost that marked the Hebrew children as belonging to God. This blood on our lives that now marks us as His. Don't run by this too fast. Don't try to get to the end too quickly. Stay with this. Understand, this is a God whose love bleeds, who loves us so much it runs down his face in rivers of red. It pours from his side and drips from his hands until it makes bloody puddles at the bottom of the cross. This is what your sin cost. This is what my sin demanded. Sin has to be paid for. But it was a debt you couldn't pay. You see, if you suffer for what you did wrong, that's just justice. If, if I pay the price for what I did wrong, that's just justice. But when Christ, the pure one, the blameless one, when he takes all of our sin on himself, that's grace. That's mercy. And whenever you hold the cup, you remember. The cup would have been passed from disciple to disciple and finally handed back to Jesus when he set it down and said, I'm not drinking until everything is finished. He would drink later. He would drink at the cross and he would drink every drop of that cup of agony. I've longed to have this moment with you. Why? Because I want you to understand what's about to happen. And I want you to understand from now on what I'm doing, what I will have done through the lens of this supper, through the moment of the bread and the moment of the sharing of the cup. I want you to be able to understand this is what 
my relationship with you cost, and it's what your relationship with me will cost you. Wait a minute, Jesus. Isn't there another way? <laughs> Isn't there an easier way? Can we follow you with all, without all of this goriness, without all of this suffering? Can we be yours and not have to pay that high a price? Yeah, you can sell him out. Some theologians think that Judas was disappointed that Jesus wasn't doing things right, that Jesus wasn't making a strong enough power move. He wasn't making enough, a strong enough political move that maybe Ju Judas had never understood, that Jesus' kingdom was never of this world. And it frustrated Judas, so maybe Judas thought if he made this play that, Judas, that Jesus would have to respond or maybe he just got tired. We don't know Judas's motivation. We know it was for 30 pieces of silver. And he sold Jesus out. And we, like the disciples, wonder who it is that will sell Jesus out next. <laughs> and we know we do it for a lot less. than 30 pieces of silver. We do it just to be comfortable. <laughs> you, you know how it is. Uh, you're, you're in a conversation with friends, coworkers, and, and somebody says something and somebody responds and says something about Christians or says something about Jesus or says something about not believing and you're there right here. And the only thing you have to say is, I, I know Jesus. I know who he is. I, I know what he's done for me. You don't have to preach like Billy Graham. You just have to give a little testimony, a, a little witness, a, a little word about what you know. But you don't. You sell him out. Just for a little moment of quiet. Somebody turns to you and pokes fun at you and says, hey, we're going to go out and have some fun after work. Don't ask Mike. Mike's a Christian. You know how they are. And you laugh like the joke's funny. You sell him out. Our culture demands that we stand up and proclaim our faith and give reason why we are so confident in Jesus and we don't. Somebody may say some bad things about us on Twitter. They may talk about us on a blog. So we sell Jesus out. That's why this moment is so important. 
Now, don't run by that. Don't think I'm just a Baptist preacher preaching a Baptist message, and it's going to be, it's going to be the same thing. It's not. This is why this matter is, is important, because Jesus is asking you to come to dinner with him. Despite everything that's happened, despite every bad decision, he wants you to come to dinner. Because we want to take this relationship to the next level. And we want you to understand what his relationship with you cost him. And we want you to know what your relationship with him will cost you. But there's nothing worth more than Jesus. And we want this moment of the supper to remind you of that. Now, COVID has messed up a lot of things. <laughs> and one of the things it has messed up is the Lord's Supper. I look forward to the day where we can gather back in the sanctuary, all of us together, and sit in the worship center and in the midst of our worship, share the bread and share the cups with each other. And in our sharing, remind each other, I'm a sinner. But I remember where I was when Jesus found me and here's the bread for you. And I hope you know when Jesus found you. It's a, it's a very deep moment to watch. I hope as you join us at home, that you have found whatever you need to find. Uh, some of you will find a piece of bread. Some of you will find crackers. I, I really don't care. The, it, I, I know there's a lot of, of richness to the symbolism, but there is a lot of meaning in the simple things that Jesus chose to remind us of this relationship to remind us that it is simple bread. You know, one of the things that we're missing from COVID is touch. We were told not to visit our grandparents. We were told not to hug our friends. We were told not to hand, uh, shake hands with people. And now we're finding out that there's been a wave of depression because we couldn't touch. Do you understand the good news now? <laughs> God in flesh. He came so close to us that we could touch him. And he could touch us. And this is his body. Broken for you. Take and eat it. As the bread now, Lord, becomes part of our life, as you become part of our life, we pray every thought is your thought, every desire is your desire, every heartbeat and every breath are yours, that your life is now ours. And we pray this in your name. It would have been in every meal. First century 
Judea would have had wine at every meal. I think that's why Jesus chose it. It was something that would have been very common. Something they would have seen and used every day. You look at the, the cup, you remember the blood, and you remember that this is what cleanses you of all your sins. And you're wondering, how in the world does this do that? It's amazing what cleans, isn't it? <laughs> if you live in Tennessee and you have a dog, it, it won't be long before that dog will have a conversation with a skunk. And it won't go well for the dog. And you know what you'll have to bathe your dog in? Tomato juice. You'll have to fill the bathtub full of tomato juice. Bathe your dog to get that skunk stink off of your dog. Like me, you're going through a long list of all your failures and all your mistakes and all your sins, and the only thing you can see is what is wrong with your life, and you're wondering how in the world can this blood cleanse me? because it replaces the old blood in your life. It covers you and marks you as one of his. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be once cleansed by the blood. That's why the snow, the blood of Christ shed for you, take and drink all of it. I really get frustrated by the separation here. I'm glad we have the video, and I'm glad we're able to be part of your life. And even in the sanctuary, when everybody's here, it frustrates me because I want to talk to you. I want to sit down with you. I want to look you in the eye, and I want to ask you some questions. And I want to see the way you look back at me when you give me those answers. The most important thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to know more about that, then will you text CONNECT to 623-623, and we'll be in touch with you as soon as we can. If you want to know more about who we are as a church, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have that conversation with you. 623-623, text CONNECT. Now, as you know, while we are just now getting back into our live services, we haven't stopped anything that Brentwood Baptist Church is doing. We're still involved in local missions. We're still involved in, in hurricane repair and, and tornado repair. We're still sending mission trips around the world, supporting missionaries around the world. That's why in this moment, your giving is so important. Text GIVE to 623 623 and it'll work you through the process. You can get on the website and do the same thing. Or if you're old school like I am, you can write a check 
and put it in the mail to 77, 77 Concord Road, and that'll get to us just the same. I'm glad you were here. And trust this worship service was meaningful to you. And that from now on, your relationship with Jesus Christ will be taken to a whole new level. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.